What's up, great people? That was Go Get It by T.I. Just something to get your day started, man, as you tune in to episode 27 of Crypto and Chill. I am your host, J.V. the Great, and you can follow me on Twitter at J.V. the Great. You know, I just try to get my perspective on, on things, man. That's it. So, you follow me, man. Appreciate you following me. Appreciate you for tuning in. Um, and just as we go about this journey, we'll see where, where it takes us, man. Um, so, let's jump right into it. Topic is, topic of the day, Chris Lawson and Anthony Pump. Chris Lawson stirred up a, 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 a big fuss on Twitter yesterday, and uh, I don't I don't see what the big deal is. But let's let's speak on on the interview between him and Pump. I found the interview to be very. It was great. I'm just say it was, it was a very good listen. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, both sides were really mature and very receptive of one another. Um, no one was defensive. No one um, spoke as like a lack of better words. Um, sp- no one spoke like a child. You know, it was a very it was a a it was a an adult conversation. Both sides gave their opinions. Both sides responded to the other's answers, and you know it was a very great topic. And from Chris's to summarize to sum sum it all up. Chris's whole point of view is simply it, it, it's simply let's look out for the environment. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's look out for the environment. Bitcoin we know is the leader. And Bitcoin is really what everyone wants to hold. Including institutions, companies, you name it. But with the climate crisis getting worse over the years, there's going to come a time where Bitcoin's energy consumption is a big issue. Like Chris said, you got the, the, the forest fires and you got it's hard to get property tax, it's hard to get um, insurance in California due to all the fires, forest fires. And if you have people dying due to due to the climate risk, the climate cha- challenges. A lot of companies are going to be hesitant with Bitcoin. And what he was saying was it's not an attack on proof of work, but it's if I'm not going to I may mix up some words, but you know, excuse me if I do, but for the most part, it, it, he was saying it, it's not like he's asking for Bitcoin to get rid of the proof of work like within that code it is there are some brilliant people within the world that could change that code and make it more efficient make it more carbon right why continue to allow bitcoin to operate on this dinosaur (laughs) this dinosaur age technology code that's driving up energy consumption. Why? When you have the ability to change that code. You know, yeah, it may cost some money, but it's, it, it, it's possible. So why why are people on such the defense of, of trying to defend Bitcoin? Is it because of, of Chris's status? Now, this is my opinion. I believe it's, it's if Chris wasn't the co-founder of Ripple then we wouldn't we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Chris wouldn't even be a topic. He wouldn't even be the topic of discussion if he wasn't the co-founder of Ripple. But for some reason, people think, and I think they're just letting their emotions get in the way. And you got some people on Twitter that are trying to maintain their level of mm, popularity amongst the Bitcoin community. You have some people that are speaking out. And they're saying what Chris did was wrong. It's not wrong and it's not self-serving. Chris clearly said that he's thinking about the planet that's going to be left behind for his kids. Right? And if you got fires 
starting all over the world and you got energy usage going up going through the roof and causing causing more problems amongst all of us then you have a right to be concerned about that and if Chris wants to fund a campaign that's pushing for Bitcoin to become a better version there's nothing wrong with that who cares where it comes from it could come from Kevin Durant LeBron James it could come from your favorite music artist it can come from your favorite actor who cares it's all in good cause he's not funding this for no illicit motives this is really only about the planet man it's only about the planet that's it that's it because if you look on down the line if we keep up this pace man it's gonna get worse and worse so, I applaud uh, Anthony Pompliano and Chris Larson for having an adult conversation. You no, know, I enjoyed it. I really did. I enjoyed it. So, I wish more people could come together from all sides. You got the Bitcoin side with, with Pump. We know Pump is a Bitcoin maxi, maxi to the fullest, even though he more than likely we all know Pump. I'll, we, you know, everyone owns some XRP. I don't care what Bitcoin Maxi you point out. I'm pretty sure he have a, a bag of XRP. They're not. They they want to put on like, oh, Bitcoin is this and that. It's this is superior. It's no point of only only other assets. But I'm gonna just let you guys know if you follow those guys and you're listening to them, don't be foolish. Diversify your portfolio. Get you some XRP. Get you some Bitcoin. Get you some Ethereum. Get you some Cardano. Get you whatever you want to get. And this is not financial advice, by the way. I'm not telling you what to do with your money. You make your own decisions. You do your own research. You do your own due diligence. But I'm just telling you, don't be a maxi because your favorite celebrity or favorite influencer or favorite YouTuber is is shilling you one coin. No, diversify yourself. Be be a better person and look into other tokens. There are plenty of tokens out there. Not Not saying that all of them are good, but there are a lot of tokens out there that have a good team behind them, have a good white paper, have a good roadmap. So diversify yourself, man. Don't be a Bitcoin maxi. Don't be an XRP maxi. Don't be a XLM maxi. Don't be an ETH maxi. Have a level head at all times. Remember, this is not high school. You shouldn't let your emotions get the best of you and have you acting out of character. You know, if so, people will look at you like you're crazy. So be mindful of that, man. Keep keep your emotions in check. That's the quote of the of the day. Keep your emotions in check. Now, we're going to go on to the next topic. So let's get into how the Pump and Chris Lawson interview came about. Here's an article. Um, titled Ripples, Chris Lawson, and Greenpeace start campaign to make Bitcoiners give up proof of work. Bloomberg has reported that Greenpeace, together with Ripple co-founder Christopher Lawson, is starting a campaign called Change the Code, not the climate to drive the Bitcoin community to adopt a less energy-consuming way to verify transactions than the proof-of-work algorithm, or POW. Apart from Greenpeace, the article says several other climate activist groups have joined in on this initiative. The amount of power Bitcoin miners are consuming at the moment is equal to that consumed by Sweden, according to Lawson. And in five years, it will be comparable to the share of electricity used by Japan. Bloomberg reports that Throughout April, the Environmental Working Group, Greenpeace, and some smaller groups of environmental activists will buy advertisements in major media outlets. They are also already trying to persuade Bitcoin miners to give up using POW, mobilizing their army of members. With these efforts, the the campaigners have already contacted major individuals and corporations in the BTC mining sphere. Michael Broom, former executive director of the Sierra Club, is leading the aforementioned campaign in an attempt to make the Bitcoin community change its verification algorithm. 
Broom believes that since many companies and high net worth individuals who care about the environment are investing in Bitcoin, a positive outcome may be achieved and they can persuade leaders among investors that this major issue must be dealt with. Broom believes that numerous companies that are working, working with Bitcoin now such as PayPal, is Venmo app, Venmo app, Goldman Sachs, etc., may eventually be helpful here. Chris Lawson provides $5 million to the campaign. Chris Lawson has also contributed to the campaign with $5 million. He and others who are leading this initiative are referring to Ethereum's plan to switch to the proof-of-stake proof of algorithm as an example for Bitcoin. The switch of Ethereum to POS, which has been taking years, and is expected to happen in a few months, may bring down energy consumption by 99%. Larson stated that he wants Bitcoin and Ethereum to succeed. He owns both, aside from XRP. Doubts about POS Bitcoin. Some experts, however, are dubious about the Bitcoin community choosing proof of stake over proof of work, though. Among them is Chris Bendiskin from CoinShares. He reckons that the odds that Bitcoiners will want to switch to POS are close to zero since they will not want to destroy the security of the protocol. Besides, big miners may are made around $15 billion in 2021, and they would need similar incentives to give up the proof-of-work mechanism. Yuri is a crypto journalist, blah, blah, blah. So that was that. That's what a whole interview gained legs from. That's why it happened simply because Chris invested $5 million into the campaign to help to convince Bitcoiners to change the code of the proof of work. So, another topic I want to get into is how we know today's climate change is not natural. Now, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an an advocate for environmental uh, changes for, you know, uh, words I'm looking for uh global warming and all of that though I do hope you know some things change and you know the right groups get in get in and try to figure this thing out with the uh with the uh what is the word I'm looking for climate control listen I do hope that all of that gets situated because we we do want to leave the planet you know in good standings for our children and their children right we don't want to destroy the planet with when we can really prevent a lot of things from happening. But I'm not an expert. I'm not a scientist in this matter. I just, you know, Google some things like we all do to try to gain a little bit of information. So I Googled, um, is climate change, is that impact, is it is it natural or is it being caused by, you know, is it man-made? So here's an article I found and we're going to dive into it. Last week, the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology, chaired by climate contrarian Lamar Smith, a Republican for Texas, held a hearing on climate science. The hearing featured three scientists who are dubious about the conclusions of the majority of, of climate scientists. And climate scientist Michael Mann, best known for his hockey stick graph of temperatures over the last thousand years, illustrating, illustrating the impact of humans on global warming. This week, Scott Pruitt, Environmental Protection Agency Administrator, who has said that human activity was not the primary contributor to... Uh, I don't know why this thing just did that. Illustrating the impact of humans on global warming. This week... Uh, what did it popped up? Sorry, guys. This week, Scott Pruitt, Environmental Protection Agency Administrator, who had said that human activity was not the primary contributor to global warming, acknowledged that it plays a role, but stressed the need to figure out exactly how much of one. Despite the many climate skeptics in key positions of power today, 97% of working climate scientists agree that the warming of Earth's climate over the last 100 years is mainly due to human activity that has increased the amount of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. Why are they so sure? Earth's climate has changed naturally over the past 650,000 years, moving in and out of ice ages and warm periods. Changes in climate occur because of alterations in Earth's energy balance, 
which result from some kind of external factor or forcing, quote unquote. An environmental factor that influences the climate, the ice ages, and shifting climate were caused by a combination of changes in solar output, Earth's orbit, or ocean circulation, albedo, quote, the reflectivity of the Earth's surface, quote, close quote, and makeup the, of the atmosphere, quote, the amounts of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases, such as water vapor, methane, nitrous oxide, and ozone that are present, close quote. Scientists can track these earlier natural gases in climate by examining ice cores drilled from Greenland and, and, and Antarctica, which provide evidence about conditions as far back as 800,000 years ago. The ice cores have shown, shown that rising CO2 levels and rising temperatures are closely linked. Scientists also study tree rings, glaciers, pollen remains, ocean sediments and changes in the Earth's orbit around the sun to get a picture of Earth's climate going back hundreds of thousands of years or more. Speaking of pollen, pollen, man, Atlanta, this pollen count is off the charts. This shit is, it has been kicking my ass. I mean, it, I've been sneezing, I've been going into my house, man, sneezing at least, I don't know how many, I can't even keep count how many times I, how many times I sneeze, man. But it's it's like this is the worst it's been. Like I, my allergies have have not been this bad in ever. Like for some reason now, this pollen is is really ta- putting toll on me, man. It's wearing a toll. Like it's man. Anyway, um, where was I? Uh, in addition, there is much more methane, quote, a greenhouse gas 84 times more potent than CO2 in the short term, close quote. In the atmosphere that at any time in the past 800,000 years, two and a half times as much as before the Industrial Revolution. While some methane is emitted naturally from wetlands, sediments, and volcanoes, and wildfires, the majority of methane emissions comes from oil and gas production. Livestock farming, livestock farming, and landfills. Global temperatures have risen on average of 1.4 degrees Fahrenheit since 1880. Sea ice in the Arctic has thinned and decreased in the last few decades. The Greenland and the Antarctic ice sheets are decreasing in mass. The North and South Poles are warming faster than anywhere else on Earth. Glaciers are retreating on mountains all over the world. Spring snow cover in the northern northern hemisphere has decreased over the last 50 years. The number of record-breaking hot temperatures in the U.S. is on the rise. Oceans are the warmest they have been in a half century. The top layer is warming about 0.2 degrees Fahrenheit per decade. The oceans are also 30% more acidic than they were at the start of the Industrial Revolution because they are absorbing more CO2. Global sea levels rose on average of 6.7 inches in the last century and in the last 10 years have risen almost twice as fast. Here is how scientists know that the climate change we are experiencing is mainly due to human activity and not a result of natural phenomena. Gavin Skimmett, Director of Natural Aeronautics and Space Administration, Goddard Institute for Space Studies, said that scientists took a look at a lot of different things at once. We have a very, very clear understanding that the amount of heat in the ocean is increasing. The ocean heat content is going up by a lot, says Skinner. Uh, that implies that there must be an external change in radiation budget of the Earth. More energy has to be going in than leaving. There are a number of ways that can happen, but each of them has their different fingerprint if the sun were brighter we would see warming all the way up through the atmosphere from the surface to the stratosphere to the mesosphere we don't see this we see instead warming at the surface cooling in the stratosphere cooling in the mesosphere and that's a signature of greenhouse gas forcing it's not a signature of solar forcing we know it's not solar moreover according to the world radiation center the sun's radiation has not increased since at least 1978 when satellite monitoring began, though global temperatures over the last 30 years have continued to rise. In addition, the lower atmosphere, 
troposphere, which is which is absorbing the CO2 and expanding as it gets warmer, is pushing the boundary between the troposphere and the stratosphere upwards. If the sun's radi- radiation were the main factor responsible for Earth's warming, both atmosphere layers would likely be warming and this would not occur. Scientists can also can distinguish between CO2 molecules that are emitted naturally by plants and animals and those that, can, that result from the burning of fossil fuels. Carbon molecules from different sources have different numbers of neutrons in their nuclei. These different versions of molecules are called isotopes. Carbon isotopes derived from burning fossil fuels and deforestation are lighter than those from other sources. Scientists measuring carbon in the atmosphere can see that lighter carbon molecules are increasing, are increasing, corresponding to the rise in fossil fuel emissions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ocean sediments provide a longer-term baseline, tens of millions of years. Close quote. That allows you to compare the past with the present, giving you an idea of how variable ocean temperatures have been before we had the monoliths. Said uh, Dave Monaco. Over the last two thousand years. There have been natural climate variations, but they were not especially large. The medieval warm period around a thousand years ago and a little ice age, which was three separate cooling periods, lasting a few decades each, beginning around 1300 to around 1850. It's the warming after the 1850s that's been really remarkable and unique over the last couple of millennia. You can see that in the sediment cores. So... And then he goes on to say, it's a lot of stuff here, but he goes on to say, they are in total denial of the evidence that there is, says Skimmit. When I challenge them to produce evidence for their attributions, all I get is cricket. There's no actual quantitative evidence that demonstrates anything. Show me the data. Show me your analysts. There are a lot of things that we're absolutely certain about. We're absolutely certain carbon dioxide is rising, rising in the atmosphere. We're absolutely certain it's warming the planet, and we're absolutely certain that it's acidifying the oceans. So, that was just a little article, man, um, on the subject of climate change. Is it natural, or is it, you know, man-made? So, from what I got from this, it's more man-made than natural. So, and we're going to move on. We're going to go into a few other topics. So, we're going to go on a break now. Now, if you guys hear the wind blowing, it's because I am outside. Um, but we're going to dive into another topic, another article. Um, it's titled uh, Russian Sanctions. Sanctions on Russia could eat away at the dollar's global dominance and boost the use of crypto, IMF says. So we got the IMF weighing in. The sanctions placed on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine could erode the dominance of the U.S. dollar, spur the adoption of digital currencies according to a top, I repeat, a top IMF official. Stringent Western financial sanctions have frozen much of Russia's foreign assets and hit its ability to trade. While that was underlined, while that has underlined the dollar's power as the dominant global reserve currency, it has also been a wake-up call for countries about relying on it too heavily. Gita Gopinat, Gopinat, um, I know I'm messing that name up. Sorry if you if you're listening. Gita Gopinat. Gita Gopinat, first deputy managing director at the IMF, said there are signs some countries are already re- renegotiating the currency they are paid in for international trade. The dollar would remain the major global currency even in that landscape, but fragmentation at a smaller level is certainly quite possible. Small currency blocks between some trade partners are trading to emerge, she added. As countries accumulate reserves in the currencies they use for trade, these will take on a bigger role, which will dilute the dominance of the dollar. The U.S. currency's clout has already waned, 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 
over the last two decades. And its share of international reserves has fallen from 70% to 60%, according to the IMF official. Australia's dollar and China's yuan, in particular, have made inroads as trading currencies. More than 70 central banks hold some yuan as a reserve currency, and many African countries and some in the Middle East regularly use the Chinese currency for transactions, according to Baizu Xin. Professor of, professor of Clinical Finance and Business e- Economics at the University of Southern California. Some countries feel their e- economies. Some countries feel their e- economies could be held hostage to U.S. policies because the dollar is dominant and countries want to diversify their risk. The U.S. and its, ally- and its allies blocked Russia from using SWIFT, a global communication service that clears international financial transactions, effectively shutting it out of international trade. The U.S. also froze $630 billion in assets held in international reserves by Russia's central bank. Russia, 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 Russia now demands payment in its currency, the ruble, for natural gas exports. And a top lawmaker said on Wednesday, the ruble should be required for more commodities. Another Russian lawmaker has suggested buyers from countries friendly to Russia could pay in their own fiat currencies or in Bitcoin. Gopinat said the impact of the Ukraine conflict should also spur the adoption of cryptocurrencies and stablecoins globally. But she warned there is a lack of regulation around digital currencies that needs to be tackled first. All of these will get even greater attention following the recent episodes, which draw which draws us to the question of international regulation. Something we've all been kicking and screaming and clawing at for I don't know how long. I haven't even been in this space long, but for a couple of years, um, and I'm already tired of seeing the constant tweets, the constant bill proposals, the constant statements and articles about the need for regulation. The need for regulation in that seems to always come from the regulators. You got it coming from Congress. You got it coming from the SEC. You got it coming from the CLTC. It's like an ongoing cycle of the same repeated talking points. We need regulation. But yet no one is stepping up to provide or set in stone these regulations. We just have a bunch of talking points that are, are, are going around and around in circles. Congress are sitting back letting Gary Gensler have his way CFTC isn't doing anything they're like the 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 little brother that's scared to stand up to the big brother or the 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 the, the student that's scared to stand up to the bully right so the CFTC really isn't doing anything in regards to having provide any type of clarity so we need somebody to get up stand up man up write some kind of regulations at least some simple basic regulations and and just put it out just put it out man and see where it goes I mean you can always you know go back and, and adjust some things and change some things here and there but for the most part we need some some basic fundamental regulations period period now on another topic uh, EU Parliament votes to impose KYC Know Your Customer on private cryptocurrency wallets. The EU Parliament, and that's the European Union, the European Union lawmakers, the EU Parliament has voted today to impose new regulatory measures that would essentially prohibit anonymous cryptocurrency transactions. The Econ and Live com- committees voted to approve a proposal that would require cryptocurrency from service providers, such as exchanges, to collect personal, identifiable information from individuals who transact more than 1,000 euros using so-called unhosted cryptocurrency wallets. The committees have not yet officially published the vote. Unhosted wallets are those which do not rely on third parties also commonly referred to as non-custodial wallets. Examples of non-custodial wallets include MetaMask, Wallet Connect, or hardware wallets like Ledger and Treasure. The vote follows debate among policymakers and the crypto industry over... Hold on, hold on, wait a minute, pause for one second. You're talking about Ledger here? Like, 
wait a minute, man. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me they're trying to prevent, they're trying to prohibit anonymous cryptocurrency transactions? How is it anonymous? Simply because I'm using my ledger to send to someone else's ledger. That transaction is still recorded on the blockchain because of the wallet ID, because of the wallet address. For example, if I'm sending XRP to you, the listener, if I'm sending XRP from my ledger wallet to your ledger wallet, it's still being recorded and it's transparent on the XRP ledger. Right? So, what's the issue with that? Let's get back into it. The vote follows debate among policymakers in the crypto industry over whether unhosted wallets should be subject to know your customer requirements that would compel companies to provide personal information about wallet users. Wow. Wow. That makes it makes absolutely no sense. No sense. Now, let me let me let me let me touch on the topic that that will kind of show why. A lot of people need to consider getting a ledger simply because of this. Hackers steal $615 million in crypto from Axie Infinity's running network. Hackers stole more than $615 million worth of Ether and USDC from the running network, a side chain of the Ethereum blockchain. Running network developers discovered the hack Tuesday morning six days after the theft when an individual user reported being unable to withdraw their money from the running bridge the stolen funds amounted to 540 million dollars at the time of the attack but increased to 615 million dollars as of tuesday making it the second largest theft seen in the crypto sector a side chain of the ethereum blockchain that it's always ethereum it's always Ethereum. It's always Ethereum, but yet you have these people in Congress like Warren Davis and uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her name? Loomis? Cynthia Loomis. And you got people that are just advocating for Ethereum when every hack that has happened so far has damn near been on Ethereum. Damn near every hack that's done happened in the crypto space done been on Ethereum. And it's been some uh, like a large sum of money, but yet they still advocate for Ethereum. Man, I tell you, Ethereum. Those people, Joe Lubin, <laughs> he has to be lobbying twenty four seven. I mean, he's paying these people good for them to stand behind Ethereum like this. According to a blog post from the Running Network, theft occurred on March the twenty third when the attackers use hacked private keys to forge fake withdrawals through through a backdoor route. Drain, I'm going to have to go back in. Draining 173,600 Ether and 25.5 million of the stablecoin USDC. Blockchains use validator nodes to verify, vote, and maintain a record of transactions. Running consists of nine different validator nodes to recognize a withdrawal or deposit. Five out of the nine nodes must give a signature of approval. Per the running network, attackers gain a signature through a backdoor loophole offered by the Play to Earn Games Decentralized Autonomous Organization. This traces back to November November 2021 when Axie creator Sky Mavis requested help from the Axie DAO to distribute free transactions due to an an immense user load. The Axie DAO allowed listed Sky Mavis to sign various transactions on its behalf. This was discontinued in December 2021, but the allow list access was not revoked. The authors of the report wrote, the running network said it is working with law enforcement as well as the blockchain forensic firm. Ch- chain analysts and has taken the necessary steps to assure future security breaches that could occur by the same route. As of right now, users are unable to withdraw or deposit funds to run the network. Sky Mavis is committed to ensuring that all of the drained funds are recovered or reimbursed. 
the authors of the blog concluded. The stolen funds, which were taken in two transactions, have been traced back to the hacker's digital wallet. According to the developer, Kelvin Fitcher, some of the Ethereum has been deposited into accounts on the crypto exchange FTX. FTX founder and CEO Sam Bankman-Fried has acknowledged the discovery and said over, over Twitter, Twitter that his team is investigating. Since the running network announced the theft, its native cryptocurrency running has fallen 21% on the day from $2.30 to $1.30 to $1.80 per coin, according to CoinMarketCap. Last year, attackers stole a total of $3.2 billion in cryptocurrency from investors, according to a report from Chain Analysis. Before running the largest hack, Sorry about that, people. I don't know why this just went out, but I kind of forgot where I left off at. I was still recording and looked down, and all of a sudden it was it was just off. So, um, let's get to this topic. Uh, I know I was speaking on a hack, but let's go ahead and switch to another topic. Uh, lawmakers want unrelated crypto firms out of the EU. Proposed anti-money laundering rules are up for a pre, uh, parliamentary committee vote on Thursday along with separate provisions seeking to end anonymous crypto transactions in the European Union. <sighs> New provisions pro- proposed by lawmakers in an anti-money laundering legislative draft up for parliament- parliamentary committee vote on Thursday stipulates financial and credit institutions along with regulated crypto firms in the EU will be prohibited from doing any business with what it with, with what it calls non-compliant crypto firms. The text defines a non-compliant crypto asset service provider to be a firm that is not established in any jurisdiction or does not have a central contact point or sustainable management presence in a jurisdiction and that is unaffiliated with regulated entity or that operates in the union without authorization under the upcoming markets and crypto assets regulatory framework that seeks to set up a license that would allow crypto firms regulated in one EU member state to operate in others. The provision implies that crypto firms looking to offer services to customers in the EU must be registered as a business and also be licensed or approved by a regulator in any jurisdiction. The aim of the proposed legislation is to cut off crypto service providers operating in the EU from its financial system until these firms become properly regulated. A person familiar with the matter told CoinDesk, multiple people suggested trouble may be ahead for companies like Binance, which has received warnings from regulators in jurisdictions including the UK, Malta, and Italy, among others, over its level of authorization. Binance, which is registered in the Cayman Islands, currently has no head office, but it did recently receive licenses to provide crypto services in Bahrain and Dubai. AML Week at the European Parliament. Crypto is front and center at the European Parliament this week as it debates proposed anti-money laundering legislation. On Thursday, lawmakers in the Parliament Committee on Economic and Monetary Affairs will be voting on multiple AML packages that will apply to crypto transactions as well as crypto asset service providers. Before the drafts head to further negotiations between branches of the European Union government, one framework up for a decisive vote on Thursday aimed at extending existing AML laws to crypto transactions contains provisions looking to end anonymous crypto payments and include transfers to self-hosted or private wallets, also called unhosted wallets. In AML checks, the provisions have drawn the eerie of the crypto industry around the world because individuals and businesses view the rules as a threat to privacy. The other slightly overlooked framework that will prevent the use of the financial system for any purpose of money laundering or terrorist financing is also up for a vote on Thursday. Now, they made sure to include that beside it so it can sound just as bad. If you put that, if you put that um, AML uh, law that they're trying to propose next to crypto and put that beside the uh, money laundering and then terrorist financing, then it's a, it's a high chance that they're going to rule, they're going to vote on both of those equally. 
unless you got some people up there that's very knowledgeable within crypto. But according to the provision, the responsibility of setting up and maintaining the registry registry will fall under the new AML authority, which lawmakers are working to ensure will have supervision power over the crypto over the crypto space. AM, AMLA shall set up and maintain an uh, indicative and non-exhaustive exhaustive public regi- register of shell banks and non-compliant crypto asset service providers operating within and outside the union based on information provided by incompetent, well, provided by competent authorities, supervisors, the commission, or obliged entities, Trap said. These measures are needed given the high risk of money laundering and terrorist finance inherent to these entities, uh, according to the draft. So, that's that, man. They're trying to get this regulation out there. And also, to piggyback on that, the EU Parliament votes to impose KYC on, on private cryptocurrency wallets. This is another article. The EU Parliament has voted today to impose new regulatory measures that will essentially prohibit anonymous cryptocurrency transactions. The news was first reported today by Coindesk. The Econ and Live committees voted to approve proposals that would require cryptocurrency service providers such as exchanges to collect personal to collect personally identifiable information from individuals who transact more than a thousand euros using so-called unhosted cryptocurrency wallets. The committees have not yet officially published the vote. Unhosted wallets are those which do not rely on third parties, also commonly referred to as non-custodial wallets. Examples of a non-custodial wallet include MetaMask, Wallet Connect, or hardware wallets like Ledger and and Treasure. The vote follows debate among policymakers in the cryptocurrency industry over whether unhosted wallets should be subject to know your customer requirements that would compel companies to provide personal information about wallet users. That I don't agree with. I can't get on board with that. You're invading privacy. I have a, a ledger wallet for a reason. And if I choose to send any amount of crypto to someone else with a ledger, that's, that's my business. It's just like me having a lot of cash and I decide that, hey, I want to give this cash to somebody. Ain't nobody tracking me in and asking me for the information of the person I'm giving that cash to. So why are y'all trying to get in my pockets and, and, and pocket watch and see how much crypto I'm transaction over my private ledger? No, I don't agree with that. Not only that, but if you really want to know the transactions are being recorded on these ledgers I mean on the blockchain for instance if I have XRP and I want to send someone else with a ledger some XRP and send it directly to their wallet the transaction is recorded on the XRP ledger the public blockchain so if you don't trust people that much just make a list of people just like the feds do when they investigate someone keep that person on your list and find out some kind of way get their wallet addresses and just keep an eye on that if you are investigating someone but people shouldn't be spied on by the government for making simple transactions especially if we ain't we're not in the wrong we're not making illegal purchases we're not transacting in any type of illicit way or anything like that why are we being spied upon why does the government want to keep an eye on our finances man on our income, on our pockets, on our money that we work hard for. Why are why why does the government wants to want to keep an eye on that? It's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. Now I don't I don't, I can't remember if I I spoke on this um before the recording shut off, but um this is something that I can agree with with the SEC. You know, I rarely agree with them on anything, but this right here has some kind of merit behind it. So let's get into it. Um, companies listed in the U.S. that act as custodians of cryptocurrencies on behalf of other companies should account for those assets as liabilities and disclose the risk associated with those assets to investors. The Securities and Exchange Commission says Thursday. In its guidance, the SEC said the custody of digital assets on behalf of others has risk 
not present with other assets. And those risks include technological risk. There are risks with with respect to both safeguarding of assets and rapidly changing crypto assets in the market that are not present with other arrangements to safeguard assets for third parties. You also have legal risk due to the unique characteristics of the assets and the lack of legal precedent. There are significant legal questions surrounding how such arrangements would be treated in a court proceeding arising from an adverse event uh, such as fraud, loss, death, or bankruptcy. And you have regulatory risk, which is the SEC, your own fault, (laughs) for refusing to come out with some regulatory clarity. So now, come on, man. The SEC put this out, and they put on there. They listed regulatory risk. And it says, as compared to many common arrangements to safeguards assets for third parties, there are significantly fewer regulatory requirements for holding crypto assets for platform users or entities may not be complying with regulatory requirements that do apply, which results in increased risk to investors in these entities. So technically, SEC, you guys are causing these regulatory risks because you all refuse to come out with some regulatory clarity and guidance. I mean, come on, you're warning people for something that you're that you're lacking, you 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 can you could you can easily get rid of this one of these risks, these regu- this regulatory risk. You could get rid of it. You could get rid of the legal risk. Now, as far as the tech technology tech, technological risk, I don't think you could do anything about that. But the regulatory risk and the legal risk, y'all could y'all could play a role in that, man. Y'all could y'all could alleviate some of that. Now. To, be, to begin this conversation, we spoke on Chris Lawson, him and Pump's interview, and we're going to end this conversation with Ripple, the company that he co-founded. And this is an article from Yahoo Finance, and it was published today. Well, no, nah, it was published, what is today, the 31st? No, it was published yesterday on the 30th. And it comes from Yahoo Finance. And it goes as the SEC versus Ripple Labs lawsuit rolls on. It's becoming obvious that the defendants hold a winning hand. Not only has Ripple Labs racked up one procedural victory after another, it, it also has evidence of SEC officials making statements that undermine their own case. It looks like Ripple will be allowed to use these statements in court. Should things get to that point, so Ripple has all the assets it needs to either win that trial or negotiate an extremely favorable set settlement. In this article, I will explore two big reasons why Ripple Lab is indeed holding the winning hand in the XRP lawsuit and what this means means for investors. The biggest reason to think that Ripple will win the SEC lawsuit is the fact that it has written statements by SEC officials that undermine their own case. One big piece of evidence that Ripple wants admitted to trial is a transcript of SEC official William Hemmings saying that cryptocurrencies aren't securities. The SEC is trying to prove prove that Ripple Labs conducted an unregistered securities offering. If XRP isn't a security, then there is no way that Ripple Labs could have done what it what is being claimed. And we've got written records of SEC big wigs saying that cryptocurrencies aren't securities. The SEC wanted the statements to this effect excluded from trial. Unfortunately for them, Ripple's lawyers moved to strike those motions and the judge agreed. So now Ripple gets to use the SEC officials' statements against the SEC in court. Ripple racks up procedural wins. Another big factor that Ripple has has going for it in the lawsuit is the fact that it has racked up a series of procedural wins. In addition to the just-mentioned motion on him and statements, Ripple has also won on deposing a judge who ruled that Ethereum isn't a security. Um, deposing a judge. Uh, that right there just kind of threw the whole article off. I don't remember Ripple deposing a judge. They deposed real William Hemmings, who was um a top member of the SEC over the over the finance um section. But uh, I don't I don't remember them deposing a judge. Um, getting various documents admitted to trial, yeah, having several SEC motions overruled. These might not seem like much, but together they indicate that Ripple has momentum. They also may indicate that the judge is sympathetic to Ripple Labs, although that point is more speculative. Possible impact on the XRP token. 
Having explored the good news for Ripple Labs, it's time to turn to the possible effect on the XRP token. Obviously, if Ripple wins the lawsuit, that would be good for it, for it as an organization. But will it be good for XRP itself? Possibly, yes. There are three ways in which a Ripple win could benefit XRP holders in the short term. One, it would create good publicity that might stir up interest and demand for XRP. Two, it would spare Ripple Labs the burden of paying out $1.3 billion plus interest and filing securities registrations, leaving them free to support the community. It would remove the incentive for Ripple insiders to sell XRP tokens in order to come up with money to pay out the $1.3 billion. Taking, taking these three points together, it appears that a Ripple Labs win could indeed move XRP's price upward. Of course, it remains to be seen whether this effect will materialize, but at a distance, it certain, certainly looks possible. Um, Then it got, it should you invest $1,000 in XRP? I wouldn't say that. I'm not giving you guys any financial advice. Do your research. You know XRP is a good token. You know XLM is a good token. You know Proppy is a good token. You know WTK is a good token. Do your own research. Do your due diligence, man. Anyway, that was it, man. We wrapping up. You know, on that note, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Until you tune in again. Until we meet again, but until you tune in again, I should say, you know, stay great, stay positive, you know, stay on your grind, and just stay positive, man. I'm just coming off the head with just <laughs> stay positive, stay focused, stay stay grind, stay grounded, stay on your stay on your grind, achieve your goals. Don't let nobody deter you off your off your off your off your grind. I'm done, man. (laughs) Stay positive, people. I'm out. Be great.